0: Hey guys, it's Keith. So I want to talk about some very general concepts as a lead-in to some current events happening in February 2022. I'm thinking a lot about freedom, which has got to be one of my absolute pillars in terms of my values and what I believe in. It is a big deal to me to feel free and to have the freedom to do the things I want to do. It's really like right up there as my number one thing that I care about, liberty, personal liberty. I speak on this podcast sometimes about my other driving values being truth and beauty. And as a creative person, those are the th- two things that really guide me. In this podcast, I'm, I'm really seeking truth. You know, I, I do believe very strongly in this academic spirit of pursuing light and truth and shedding light on ignorance and misunderstandings and this is kind of under attack these days for sure with all the disinformation out there everyone's celebrating their own truths somehow as if there can be so many hundreds or millions of truths that coexist without actually being the same I don't really know what that means. And I kind of suspect that we're letting ourselves live in delusions, to be honest, or that subjective opinion is somehow grander than like objective reality, which I think is really a troublesome thought. I don't really understand what that is. Or, you know, whoever is coming up with this theory, I don't think it's very thought out. You know, I know it comes from this postmodern, you know, train of thought from like, Foucault and Derrida that somehow, you know, your lived experience is very unique and that it does create a certain kind of truth, so to speak. But the way that people hold on to their truths against reality is kind of crazy to me. And this is going to be relevant in my broader discussion today. Beauty, I also think, is under attack by and large, both as an artist and as a man. I see this happening. Um, You know, in art, the celebration of beauty is kind of passe, you know, it's too classical or modernist. And now in this postmodern, post-postmodern world, uh, you know, with relational aesthetics and like anti-aesthetics of mess, you know, of trash, this is kind of what's celebrated more in the art world, you know, like really interrogating what beauty even is and why must art be beautiful? And it doesn't, perhaps. But it's a, I feel personally, um, I don't feel personally attacked per se. I feel like my brand of art, you know, what I make on my Instagram, for instance, the kind of pictures I like to make and celebrate, I'm really interested in beauty, natural beauty, landscapes, minimal landscapes observed just so. And this is kind of just not as in vogue as it once was. And instead we celebrate, you know, political art or, identity-based art that doesn't really care about beauty per se, but that's fine, you know, like to each her own, and that's not a big deal to me. The truth one bothers me a lot more because I do think, for instance, universities should be caring about that much more than safe spaces and, you know, prioritizing each individual's subjective truth, which includes not being offended, which includes, you know, being coddled, like, this is all bullshit to me. Where's the pursuit of truth, even when it's harmful and scary? Like, that's what needs to happen. And that's what I'm here for. But freedom is like, definitely up there, maybe above those two even. And to round out my top five values, I would say stuff like um, peace and love, you know, like, it's hard to argue with those. And I think peace, love and freedom are Great galvanizing concepts for society. I think we can all rally around these things very easily and happily. There are low resolution. Uh, there are low resolution ideas, which is to say that they're like broad and generic. And that's fine, because there are a lot of us in the Western world and on this planet, and it would make sense that we can just agree that, for instance, love is nice. And I mean, what more anodyne and safe statement can one make, right? Love, I think, is safe. I don't (laughs) think—well, hatred is very popular these days, let's be honest. Hate gets clicks, so hate is big. Hate is big right now but it's more like anger, right? Anger is big and people like to be incensed and outraged these days. But love still is strong, I think, in people's personal lives. I think it's all we have really going for us by and large day to day and around the world. You know, no matter what your socioeconomic standing or whatever part of the world you're in, you have a family, generally speaking. People have bonds, people pursue sexual interests, people enjoy each other's company and each other's bodies. So in a sense, like in every sense, love is here to stay, and that's good. Um, having said that, <laughs> I, I do think that the devil deserves his due here. There are things threatening that, right? Sex dolls, sex robots, um, incel culture, you know, more and more young adult men staying at their parents' houses in their basements, you know, staying virgins, getting angry online, and just channeling their sex drive and even their emotional um, abilities into other things and not into people, not into their sexual interests in real life. So in a sense, love is sort of threatened too these days, but I'm no alarmist on this topic, I think in general, it's very hard to prevent love. It's free, it's very hard to, to stop it. You know, I think it's really a, a driving force and a, it's a great one. So, you know, I'm really, I'm all in on celebrating love in general with a greater culture. I think that love songs can be cool for sure. It makes sense that most songs are about love and i think coupling up is cool you know i celebrate family life more than i ever have i think that in the past i was much more skeptical about it i thought it was normy and traditional in a bad way and you know just played out and boring and lame to just like go to school graduate and get married and have a family and work for a corporation you know this was like so 1950s lame to me growing up in the 90s and i really like Identify it as an iconoclast against that, which is why I've lived my whole life as I have away from corporate life and without uh, family as of yet But as I get older, I do recognize the value of that and I think that Love is kind of an underlying concept there that you can tolerate even a shitty job that you dislike, in order to Strengthen that bond with your significant other and raise a family that you love and that's cool Growing up. I was also a little more skeptical of the idea of freedom perhaps It's hard to say this because you know The 20th century was a different time than we're in right now our I our concepts of um, Socialism for instance have even changed For instance, I grew up identifying as a socialist. I thought Marx was cool. I thought his critique of capitalism made total sense. And uh, I still think it's cool. And I still think that he had a lot of good things to say. And that's all well and good. But, and yeah, in in that breath, I thought that this idea of freedom was kind of like a dog whistle for disaster capitalism. You know, I remember reading like an article in Time magazine or something when I was growing up and it said something. It was like a big like overview of the 20th century. And the author's thesis was that freedom won, that democracy and capitalism defeated totalitarian regimes and communism, which is true. But I always thought I was like suspicious of that. I just thought like, yeah, democracy is cool. Like I could tell already, even in the dearth of American education on the topic of communism, that democracy was preferable and that a plurality of opinion could dictate the way a country was directed and that, you know, this sort of not even direct democracy that We don't have in the U.S., but like a representational democracy or a republic. makes a lot of sense, right? That kind of freedom always was good and looked good to me and was always cool. I always celebrated that. But this other kind of freedom I always was suspicious of, which is that, you know, the free market economy. To be free is to price gouge. To be free is to enslave or to exploit labor. To be free is to evade taxes, Right. And this is where, like, my libertarian tendencies uh, don't exactly follow the the typical libertarian party line, if you will. I'm not a libertarian by party. I'm a libertarian socially because of the personal liberties that it implies and speaks up for. But I'm not in favor of, like, disaster capitalism and unfettered laissez-faire free markets at all. I want to control markets through... A sort of a regulatory system that we all agree on that is best for us you know like to not pollute as much to not exploit labor as much to to not let monopolies run the world entirely to not have one you know you know to have a couple trillionaires and everyone else is dirt poor like that kind of world sounds horrific to me and I think that it makes sense that the leftists these days fight that I agree with them but I don't hate Elon Musk and I don't hate Jeff Bezos. I think these are brilliant men that are doing good in general for the world. I'm a huge avid Amazon shopper. I think that this kind of market economy is really practical and anyone that disagrees is probably an ideologue who just fundamentally will stand against the perceived harm that Amazon does to the world as if the world is totally fine without Amazon, as if disaster capitalism didn't precede Amazon. You know, direct shopping is a brilliant idea, and it's working really well. Tesla as well. You know, Elon Musk had a great idea to, like, reduce carbon emissions through battery cell and solar technology, and it's happening, and it's cool, you know? So I'm in on that stuff. Um, That said, I think that, you know, Google could be broken up. You know, Facebook could be broken up. These monopolies that are happening aren't ideal. So, like, you know, my opinions on exactly what freedom might mean or might entail are um, complex, right? I'm not just a freedom absolutist. But I want to talk about personal liberties and one particular freedom today, which is free speech. And this is a big one, right? I'm recording this after a bit of a hiatus. My apologies about that. I just haven't really felt like saying anything. And when I've sat down to think aloud with you in the last months, I just haven't been bothered. I've just thought, ah, whatever. I don't really need to comment on this or that happening in the world. I've said my piece about COVID. I've said what I wanna say about a lot of general concepts. You know, I'm still thinking a lot about trans activists and social justice, and I'm very critical of these things. And I feel like my arguments about these things are being, you know, are strengthening. But I don't need to go on and on about them. You know, like some people have told me that I would make maybe a good pundit, and I'm not against it. Look, I would love to just appear on uh, various platforms in order to, you know, espouse my opinion. But it's not that it's not what drives me like that's not what I do for fun you know I much prefer doing housework and hanging out with my dog and you know tinkering around you know building things like that's what I actually enjoy doing so when I like think oh I should like sit down and record some sort of (laughs) rant or tirade about how I don't know, the San Francisco school board is, like, changing names for no reason and, you know, making merit-based systems more uh, random or whatever. Like, things that I think are silly, um, I just think, well, whatever, like, I'm reading the news, maybe I'll make a comment on Reddit in various subreddits that I'm in, but I don't necessarily need to, like, bloviate to you about them. This is, a, this is a tricky thing for me, right? Like, I'm still not absolutely resolved in my work as a public thinker. But I was inspired today to record this that you're listening to now because I am thinking about two hot topics right now in the world, not in the world, in the Western world at least, and that is Joe Rogan, the podcaster on Spotify, and the Freedom Convoy which are the truckers in Ottawa, Canada, and how these are kind of similar and what the through lines are here. So I just wanted to pick them apart and really galvanize my thoughts on these two topics, which look, they're not even that interesting. If I'm honest, like I'm not that intrigued by either of these topics, but I just want to speak to them a little bit here because they do come down to this concept of free speech and that is worth defending. And I'm not gonna be uh, an alarmist here and say that we really are in the throes of an upcoming dictatorship or some sort of totalitarian control against speech, but it's, it's there right? The conspiracy theorists or the the alarmists, the people that are up in arms about that, like they're not paranoid. There is real stuff happening right now. So I, let's just get into it a little bit. So basically, um, I'll start with the Freedom Convoy, the truckers. Right now, if you look up, like I went to Reddit and there's a subreddit called Out of the Loop, and I typed in the Canadian truckers there. And a bunch of answers were like very flippant and rude, like um, these asshole anti-vax truckers are just you know making everyone's lives miserable by crowding the streets of Ottawa. Like a very biased response is what is generally seen online that I've that I've noticed. But a less biased answer is that essentially um, there's been a mandate in Canada that to be a trucker going between the u.s and canada which is a very popular thing to do you have to uh have a vaccine and you have to have an app that's tracking you to to come back in and these truckers are against this mandate basically and this has been turned into this big thing of like this is an anti-vax rally which is not true they're not against vaccine they're against a mandate right or that this is racist and this is a bunch of bigots and Nazis because there was a Nazi flag actually in this convoy of like hundreds of truckers so it's being turned into that and you have a lot of slur or slander happening against the truckers because essentially what's what's really going on and the same with Joe Rogan is that there is a mainstream opinion which is that it is good and important and necessary and obvious to be vaccinated. And that all work to control for that outcome is to be celebrated. So a mandate should be celebrated or enforced. Mask mandates should be celebrated and enforced. Uh, Whatever is necessary in order to essentially prioritize ending COVID, right, to wiping out COVID, is to be uh, celebrated and enforced. That's kind of the concept. That's kind of like the world that I'm living in, not specifically in my personal life, but in like Los Angeles, California, and in the U.S. in general, you know, on YouTube, it's like COVID news, COVID news, COVID news, all the mainstream media outlets talk about how important it is to be vaccinated. And essentially, What I've noticed, what I've felt anyway, take it for what it's worth, is that there is this sort of top-down pressure to do what they say, if you will. I'm not against getting vaccinated. I'm not against getting boosters. I'm not against certain protocols in place for public safety. But you have to wonder where to draw the line, right? That is a valid question to to ask, where do we draw the line? I think that we would all be pretty upset if we were told that we had to cancel work again this year, especially given that the death rates are going down. The case rates are going up, but like, it's not as serious, you know, people are doing just fine with this. So, it makes you wonder like how seriously we have to take this and then when a government like canada or australia or the or the us when they do something in order to enforce covid protocols which are essentially lockdown protocols or population control protocols through app tracking or through mandating anything whether it be a mask or a vaccine or a vaccine pass you have to wonder if it's worth it because these are essentially, infringements on personal liberty. And that's my point, right? So as somebody that very much values personal liberty, I'm sensitive to these things. I'm not so sensitive that I will go and protest on the streets, in the streets, because I'm not really interested in this kind of activism. But my sympathies go toward these truckers. And it's not because of their beliefs in whatever politics, like this Nazi flag guy. Obviously, I'm not endorsing that nor is it about being anti-vax. I am against man I'm against government mandates in an atmosphere where they actually seem absolutely unnecessary, right? I looked this up and this is something I do want to share with you cuz it's pretty crazy to me. So if you look up death rate on Google, it's really hard to actually find the percentage right? Like we've heard 1%, 2%. Some people think it's higher because of all the clamoring about it. It's very, very low. And when I say very, very low, like I don't know how much to stress this. I'm gonna, about, I'm about to blow your mind, I think. So listen to this. The population of Canada in total is 38 million people. 38.2 or 3 million people. Now that's pretty small. That's smaller than California by a lot. That's smaller than you know, New York and L.A. put together. Okay, look this up online for yourself. Canada's total cases, total COVID cases, is 3,200,000 people, give or take. Canada's total deaths from COVID are 35,761 people. Total deaths from COVID. Now, there's a difference between death rate and mortality rate and these kind of terminologies like, um, you know, what do you want to know? Do you want to know if you get COVID, the chance of dying, or do you want to know how deadly COVID is in a society, broadly speaking, right? And I'm more interested in the second one. Your chance of dying from COVID is based on a lot of other factors, so it's hard to just say what your real chance is because I don't know your, your, your condition, right? It turns out that almost everyone that dies from COVID has comorbidities, multiple comorbidities, obesity, heart disease, you know, etc. That's never really covered. When you look up these kind of figures on Google, DuckDuckGo is probably safer. If you turn on the news, mainstream media news, if you are listening to news about COVID, you are seeing more like a counting ticker of deaths that just go up and up and up, and that's scary. That's It's designed, I think, I suspect, it's designed to be scary. But when you actually look at these numbers, 35,000, even let's round it up, 36,000 deaths in Canada's entire population is 0. 0.0009. Let's round that up, 0. 0.001 percent of Canada has died from covid when i f- calculated that i was blown away i mean have i done the math wrong i don't maybe i did maybe i did the math wrong but based on what i'm seeing on the internet you have 35 36000 deaths from covid in canada a population of 38 million and it's killed less than a one one hundredth <laughs> of people. Now, let's, I mean, obviously you could go on about how all deaths are preventable and tragic. You can say that if you want. But to say, as a government, as Justin Trudeau, to say, given that we need to mandate vaccines and we need to mandate trackers on people that are interfacing in society and driving between us and Canada. We need to, you know, demand that they are vaccinated against this puny Omicron variant. And I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll bet right now, we'll check again in six months or whatever. I'm guessing that this is just going to keep getting weaker and weaker. I could be wrong, but I think the way that the science that's made sense to me, if we're going with trusting the science, which is a bullshit phrase, let's be honest. Science is, a, is, by its very definition, a process of questioning. There is no trust in science. Trust is like f- having faith in religion. Science is inherently about interrogating and questioning everything all the time. When you get a piece of science, you scrutinize it from all angles to test it. That's what science is. So this whole phrase, trust the science is insane to me. But anyways, the science that I've heard about the way that COVID works as a virus is that it mutates in order to propagate itself and to survive. When it kills its host, that's bad. When it's snuffed out from society, that's bad. Its goal, if you can call it this, obviously it doesn't have a brain thinking this stuff through, but you know, from the Darwinian perspective, or even Richard Dawkins' selfish gene perspective, this virus wants to become less deadly in order to stay around, like the flu. Influenza does that. We're talking about the flu here. Like These numbers are so fucking low, I wouldn't be surprised if the flu kills more people in Canada. And in response to this, Justin Trudeau has now said that he will cut off the bank accounts of the truckers protesting his mandate. That's pretty wild. That's pretty scary to me that a government can say, you know what, we don't like your protest. You no longer have access to your finances. And anyone else that wants to donate to you, we're going to cut them off and we're going to control the... Uh, avenues and the institutions through which people live their lives and pay for each pay for things and like this is insane like that is really that's pretty alarming to me so yeah my sympathies are with them these truckers like i watched a trucker describe what they really want on youtube on Jordan Peterson's channel. It's like a five minute clip. If you want to look it up, what the truckers say, and they have a manifesto and it's very simple. Like they don't want mandates. It's not that they're against the vaccine. They're not thinking the whole thing is a hoax. They're not saying that they want to go spread the virus. They're not saying they want some sort of nationalist, you know, white nationalism or, you know, they're not going into anything like that. They're like, but if you listen to like, New York times or some other like publications. It's like talking about this freedom convoy as some far right threat, this like conspiratorial evil, you know, January 6th moment. And that's fundamentally not true. And it just makes me think about media literacy and how many people are actually believing that narrative And I'm here right now recording this and talking to you right now to tell you that that's a lie. It's not true. And you can look it up yourself. And I think that just most people don't look it up themselves. Like even for me, like when I was hesitant to make this podcast on this topic, I thought, yeah, maybe I can just ignore the freedom convoy trucker thing because maybe it is just a bunch of bigots, right? Maybe it is like all these like white nationalists in Canada having like a little you know hissy fit maybe it's like whatever like if justin trudeau cuts off their bank accounts what do i care you know what i mean like i don't even live near toronto or ottawa so it's it's very easy i get it to like not care and to even like find reasons not to care and the media for some reason this mainstream media phenomenon is very eager to give you reasons to not sympathize with them And it is because there is this, like, very organized agenda to push control, government control, or even corporate control. And, you know, one of the definitions of fascism is not government control, but actually corporate control. Or when the government and the corporation is the same thing, effectively. You know, in Mussolini's Italy, that's the case. And it was like we are going to control society. We're going to go top down and tell everyone what to do, what to think, what to buy, how to live. And I don't like that. That is like very fundamentally offensive and wrong to me as a social libertarian, as a libertarian socialist, frankly. And it just is really, really bad. And it's sad to me that so many people by default consuming mainstream media they don't have these sympathies for individual people. They'd rather put them in groups and think these truckers are all Nazis. These truckers are all white nationalists. These truckers are all anti-vaxxers. It's not true. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, I'm vaccinated. I support the truckers conceptually against mandates. I don't wanna be told that I have to get the vaccine. It's wrong. By the way, over 80% of Canada is vaccinated. And again, this virus is not an existential threat, period. It's not an existential threat. Case closed, okay? And I I think that people just need to realize this and just relax about it. It's not going to kill you unless you have like four comorbidities. This This virus is getting weaker and weaker. I have family members who are immunocompromised, who have had COVID and they're fine. You know what I mean? Like this is not really scary anymore. And I think it's, I honestly think it's insane to act like it is. I think it's like actual dictionary definition insanity to think that COVID is this existential threat to you individually or to society at large. It's not. Period. So I have to say that i just have to say that and the fact that governments are reacting so strongly as if it was and that they're using that as a as an argument to curtail personal freedoms is wrong and it is the step toward totalitarian dictatorships you know like people go on and on about trump you know and how he like almost stole the election the second time and how this could be a dictatorship and, you know, there's some, I have some sympathies there, you know, it's fair enough. But in the end, at the end of the day, like our system of checks and balances in the U S did stop him from seizing control the way so many other global leaders have seized control. think Erdogan in Turkey or, uh, the Syrian president, you know, like this does happen but it doesn't happen in the U S and it could, you know, it's very fair to wonder and, and, you know, to, to wonder if it could happen. And when Sam Harris goes into that topic, as he recently did on his podcast, you know, I'm here for that conversation. You know, I'm open-minded to that concern, even though it's not my top concern, but this one that COVID is still as scary as it was in March, 2020, that's insane that's just dumb and to use that as a way of like enforcing rules it just to me it it's kind of a litmus test for people i don't fundamentally trust people that want power people power hungry people rule obsessed you know busybody admin regulator people love using covid as an excuse to do what they want to Clamp down on what you can do, you know. I am experiencing this all the time in my, in all the admin bullshit of my life. Oh, you want to get, uh, you want to extend your German visa? Whoa, that involves an in-person meeting, and we're really not uh, taking any meetings because of COVID. You know, we really can't employ as many people. We can't open our offices because of COVID. You know, we really have to worry about public safety right now. So it's going to get very, very hard to get your visa renewed, right? Oh, you want to, um, you know, you want to add an extension on your house. You want to change the roof line on your roof. That's going to involve a permit. And we're really not giving out permits right now because of COVID. It's going to be really hard to get an inspector out to your house for that because, you know, we are living through a pandemic right now. I'm sorry. Like, fuck you. Like, put on a mask if you want. Do your work. Like, it's so insane to me that people are still slowing down society. And that red tape is getting even stronger and thicker and brighter <laughs> because of COVID. Like, get over it. You know what I mean? Like, this is just ridiculous. Okay, so let's pivot to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is the biggest podcaster in the world. Um, I don't know his numbers. I'm not gonna look him up. But I do trust what I've heard that his audience is bigger than all mainstream media audiences bigger than fox news bigger than cnn bigger than new york times bigger than any mainstream publication his podcast is the biggest by far his audience is the biggest which is why spotify gave him this like record deal of a hundred million dollars a year to be on his platform instead of on youtube so now like spotify has exclusive rights to his uploaded new conversations and joe rogan is like I mean I'm a, I'm sure you know who he is but just my my like bio about him would be that he's just kind of a dude you know he's like kind of like a Joe Schmo kind of dude more on the macho side coming from the world of comedy and from mixed martial arts those are his two main interests he's a fe- he's like professionally a comedian he was on a bunch of 90s sitcoms and he does stand up and he's also like a buff guy that works out all the time and is into like fighting and his politics are like, they're similar to mine. Like I would call him also a libertarian socialist, broadly speaking, which is for the political compass fans out there, libertarian left. You know, he's, he's kind of into hippie values. He's definitely into freedom. He's definitely against authority, uh, but he's also for sharing the wealth. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. You know, he's this kind of guy and that's who I am. Like I'm, I'm that kind of guy. And he's probably a little more into, like, guns and his hobbies and interests are different than mine. But by and large, like, he's a very live and let live kind of person and help people out, you know, like, do good in the world kind of person. Okay, so what's the problem, right? Like, what's the problem? Well, I think the problem is that mainstream media and, like, to sound a little conspiratorial, admittedly, the powers that be, people that do have you know, legacy media types, legacy media money, old money. This is threatening to them, you know, for just some random dude like Joe Rogan to come around and have these four-hour-long conversations with anybody and everybody and to have such a big audience and to have it, like, he's uncancelable, right? Like, this whole last month has proven that he's basically uncancelable. But let me just spell it out how it went down. So basically, Joe Rogan is a little more like airy fairy hoo-ha than I am like he's into like alternative medicine right he like he's the kind of guy that would take ivermectin and he's pushed this kind of medication in order to treat COVID or prevent COVID now I haven't listened to any of these episodes I've listened I'm not like the biggest Joe Rogan consumer or fan I support him in general very general but I only listen to like the interviews that I care about like when he interviews Jordan Peterson or Bernie Sanders or something. But otherwise, like, I'm not tuning in to listen to him talk to doctors and stuff. And I don't really go to Joe Rogan for my medical advice, to be honest. Um, but, you know, it see it does seep into, like, my diverse portfolio of opinions that I hear, right? I have friends that listen to Joe Rogan. I hear from hearsay what's going on. And I take it on board. But it's not going to stop me from getting vaxxed, for instance, it does give me some hesitation. It gives me some pause. And I think people hate that about him, right? Like, so basically, I read this other really interesting Reddit post about uh, about Joe Rogan. And it's essentially going in, it's not even a Reddit post, it's a Twitter uh, thread from Local Distance, which is a great Twitter handle, by the way, for, for people on Twitter. Local Distance did this whole breakdown of how. This cancellation of Joe Rogan was actually a a conspiracy, for lack of a better word, like an actual PSYOP, like an actual operation targeted by the DNC, by the Democratic National Committee to take him down. Because basically the argument is that, okay, you have this idea that Joe Rogan is spreading misinformation and we can't have that right like we have to stifle misinformation in this era of covid we can't have people thinking the vaccine is dangerous we can't have people going into alternative medicines instead of the vaccine and he's doing that and his audience is huge so that's number 1 so it was kicked off by Neil Young the the musician saying that he doesn't want to be on a platform and share his platform with somebody like that because he can't abide this misinformation which is total bullshit. I mean, you live in a society, Neil Young. You're on TV, with a, a, a click away from Fox News. You know, you're playing in arenas that you know country musicians play at. You're you're flying on the same airplane as like people you might hate. You know what I mean? To say that you have to boycott a huge platform like Spotify because you disagree with one of the opinions by another performer on that platform is so megalomaniacal and narcissistic as if you know never mind the fact that Neil Young is this you know legacy has been folk rocker you know like as if his audience is anywhere like what a tiny fraction his audience is compared to Joe Rogan who's like literally the biggest name in streaming period you know never mind music or not like maybe get taylor swift or the beatles or something that can be but like this is crazy right so anyways people start on twitter specifically and like as usual these activists types saying like they stand with him and they're going to cancel their spotify and like hashtag and spotify or whatever the hashtag is so people make this big deal like yeah fuck joe rogan he's spreading misinformation therefore we hate him and then right after that like the next news cycle later This video surfaced of him saying the N-word. I'm not going to say the N-word. It is now this like annoyingly, you know, unutterable two-syllable word that literally like defines who you are as a person if you just say it out loud. You know, it's like it is so forbidden. Like, I think it's insane that we've like let this word become so powerful it's like insane to me that we've done that and at the same time it's not this unutterable powerful word I hear it in New York all the time if you listen to just hip-hop you hear it constantly you know like this is not some like antiquated word that we have to retire this word is out in the open all the time but like based on who you are and your skin color and whatever like it's just unutterable But that's new, right? That's new. That's almost brand new. It's like less than five years old. So of course, there are clips of Joe Rogan saying this word, but he's not saying it as a slur against anybody. He's saying it in context of like telling a story like, oh, and then this person said it, right? And then he says it. So he's not saying it with any hate, right? He's not directing it at someone with racial prejudice behind it, which was the whole reason the word sucked, right? It's a bad word because it's mean, He wasn't using it that way. And I think a lot of people, like, don't want to understand this distinction. They just think if you utter it, you are evil. Just by merely reading a dictionary definition of it, you're evil. Which is so intellectually dishonest and so stupid. If that's honestly what you think, like, how how low is your IQ to not understand that that context matters when uttering a word? You know? Like... It doesn't, it, I can't even compute how stupid you would have to be to not understand that you can say things with different intonations and different meanings based on the context. And I'm sure that most people that are out to cancel people for using this word do know that. And it just fundamentally reveals their true intent, which is power. Power to take power away from you or whoever they're accusing of racism and to take that power to themselves. And so this local distance tw- uh, Twitter thread was detailing that. This was literally a video of Joe Rogan saying this word uh, a bunch of times. And these people, these three brothers work for the DNC and they like have a super PAC. They're like a lot they're like a lobby. They're a super PAC. They're like huge donors or like PR people for the Democrats, right? And they're trying to take down Joe Rogan with this slander. I'm calling it slander. It's a supercut of him saying this word. But since then, what I've found, a lot of people have responded by making supercuts of everybody saying this word. So I saw one of Howard Stern. You can find no one's trying to cancel Howard Stern because he's not the same kind of threat as Joe Rogan is. Howard Stern votes Democratic, Democrat. He doesn't platform crazy doctors he doesn't you know he toes the company line same with justin trudeau who was like very famously in blackface the president of canada has been in blackface not even that long ago no one talks about that right like we don't want to question the democratic or the liberal the left-leaning politicians joe biden is a creep joe biden gropes young kids there are supercuts of that No one talks about that. Only, like, right-wingers talk about that. If you talk about how Joe—how creepy as fuck Joe Rogan is—sorry, as Joe Biden is, then, like, you're a Nazi. You're not allowed to question that. Even though aren't leftists, like, deeply critical of old white men groping people? I don't understand this hypocrisy, you know? It's, like, the worst thing in the world if Donald Trump says he's done it but it's totally passable if Joe Biden is literally on camera doing it again and again and again and again. Like, that's really weird. I don't understand people's value systems that live in that contradiction. It's like pure tribalism. It's pure sports. You're on the Democrat team, the left team, and therefore everything the left does is okay. And everything your enemy, the right does is evil. And that is just such stupid binary thinking. And my goal is to help fight that. And, um, you know, sometimes when I get into these rants, maybe I, I start questioning myself. I hope I'm not offending you, dear listener. We're all, we are all are susceptible to this stuff, right? I mean, it's not like I've never gone into some tribalist partisan thinking. I'm doing it all the time, frankly. Like, as an anti-SJW you know, as a red pilled kind of guy, like I'm, that's my tribe. Right. But I don't endorse everything that like red pilled people say. I'm not like, I don't think every PC thing is stupid. You know, it's just that I'm fighting this general concept because I think it's detrimental to the world. And these are two examples, like Joe Rogan being targeted like that, the Canadian truckers being targeted is very intentional And there is that conspiratorial element because literally people are conspiring to take them down. Like there are editorial boards writing about these things, you know, both have been compared to January 6th, which is ludicrous. Like that's what a conspiracy is. It's a group of people in a room deciding on a power play. That's what a conspiracy is. There are theories all about, you know, all around about that stuff, but they do happen and they're happening right now. And, I'm thankful that Joe Rogan has been able to stand his ground to some extent. He's like given his apologies. He's apologized for the video, which obviously those clips were recorded in a different time before this word became so incendiary. And now Spotify, like they're not going to cancel Joe Rogan. They're not going to kick off their number one earner, their best player from their team. You know, like obviously that's not going to happen despite how many Neil Young's walk away, (laughs) like whatever. Spotify can afford them walking away, but like they are now going to put an advisory before episodes that Joe Rogan does, like beware that this information doesn't represent us and that you should do your research. And this might be, you know, this should be fact-checked, you know, like that's fine. They can do that. I'm not really offended by parental advisory warnings per se. I think they're a little weird. They do verge on censorship, but they're not actual censorship. So that's good. I'm against censorship. Let people talk. If you think that Joe Rogan is so fucking dumb and that his medical advice is so stupid, and that maybe for me, I do question getting a booster, tell me why I should. Give me a better argument why I should get a booster now, in February, 2022, after having survived COVID and now having the antibodies. Why should I have a booster? When my guess is that all the new strains coming at me will be weaker. Why should I get a booster? If travel is impeded without a booster, I'll get one. Because I want my life to just be smooth. But I'll resent that. Because I do think it's wrong to infringe on civil liberties in the name of, quote, public safety. I think it's wrong to open every flyers bag and go through their you know washroom accessories to look for bombs I think that's stupid and I resent it I resent the TSA for doing that for slowing down everything for making the flying experience agonizing because it's unpredictable you don't know how long it's going to be you don't know if you'll miss your flight all that fucking sucks for what for what you know And now COVID is like this 9-11 Patriot Act thing of like, oh, now's our chance to like put all these fucking stupid rules in place and now create whole new agencies and whole new bullshit jobs for busybody, you know. You know, do people have nothing better to do than like rifle through your socks and underwear. Like, it's so silly to me. And I just, I have to say in this moment, that we're living in, that I want to stand up against this kind of shit and stand up for freedom and personal liberties. Like, we can be trusted. We can be trusted. Like, it makes sense. Like, a lot of the stuff that comes out of the CDC or the WHO, like, you know, we're, we're not in the wash-your-hands era anymore, but, like, personal space, don't cough on people, cover your mouth when you sneeze, wear a mask if you, if, if you want, if you're definitely if you're sick, but if you are coughing or sneezing, you know, like, don't spread germs. Give people personal space. Don't crowd into spaces where, you know, sicknesses uh, pervade. Just have some common sense. Be a good citizen. Like, that's fine. Like, I support those kind of PSAs, and I support living like that, and I think it's good to, like, signal that outward into society. But to say to society... You have to shoot this substance into your body every year, maybe twice a year, and you have to have digital proof of it, and you have to submit all your records in order to get that digital proof, and you have to show it everywhere you go. This is tyranny. You know, this is, this is tyrannical. It's not obviously like full-on 1984. It's not North Korea tyranny, but it is tyrannical. And I resent it, you know, even just on a much, to calm down here a bit as I start, (laughs) let's start winding this down, Keith. Um, You know, before COVID, people have to, you have to, to, you have to have a driver's license to drive a car. And that makes sense because cars can be very dangerous and they're a motor, you know, they're they're a complex machine that requires some amount of skill and education to operate. And it makes sense that not everybody can just get into a car and drive it. You know, an eight-year-old should not be allowed to just hop into a car and drive a car. So it makes sense that you have to have a license to do that. I support licenses for guns for the same general reason. Once you have a driver's license, it proves you're like in a system, you're in a government system, and it proves your age. And in the U.S., you have to show this proof of your age all the time to do anything related to alcohol which is most of society most of <laughs> culture is around alcohol in a way so going to bars you know buying buying groceries buying alcohol at stores you have to always show this card you know and it's such a it's such a farce because this bouncer probably knows you're over 21 and even if you're near 21 and not aren't, he doesn't care, but he does it anyways. And you can get carded, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, you can just get carded all the time, all through this stupid act as if, you know, some government agency is going to shut down this business operation because they're not carding you because heaven forbid they sell alcohol to somebody that's not allowed to have it, right? When I moved to to Berlin, this farce disappeared. And it's so liberating to walk into a bar without taking out my wallet, to not have to remember my driver's license all the time because I'm not driving there, to just be unfettered. It's free, it's freeing and liberating and it feels like a personal freedom to be trusted that I can drink to be trusted that I am obviously of age, and even if I wasn't quite of age, to be trusted with the responsibility of conducting myself properly in a public place like a bar. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand these rules for rules' sake. And maybe I do understand them. And that's even scarier because my understanding of them is that they're power trips made up and enacted upon by small-minded people. I'm against that. All right, that's it. Until next time, guys.